Copy, Hog Zero One. Night Owl, Hog Zero One. Friendly's in sight, target in sight, in from the south. In from the south, you are cleared on, cleared on. Wolf Hog Element, good guns, good guns. Welcome to the Pathway to Wings podcast, a podcast for aspiring Air Force aviators. My name is Major John Waters, I'm a former F 16 pilot and currently a reservist working for the Air Force Recruiting Service. My guest today is my good friend, Kristen Talley Hollerith. She's an Air Force Reservist as well. She's flown F-16s and currently flies T-38As as an aggressor for F-22s and F-35s down at Eglin Air Force Base. I think you're going to enjoy her story, but wherever you're listening, please hit subscribe, swing over to iTunes, and leave us a rating or review. That'll help the podcast out. And with that being said, let's get into the podcast with Kristen Talley Hollerith. Sally, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Excited to talk about your Air Force career thus far. Before we get rolling, will you tell me just a little bit about who you are and what you're doing today? Uh, I am Major Kristen Tally Hallrith. I am currently a T-38A aggressor pilot for the F-22. So we provide red air to the F-22s um, for their uh, basic course. So the Guys that are initially getting qualified in the F-22 need bad guys, essentially, to fly against. So we simulate those for them. So that's what I'm doing out here. Stationed in Florida as a reservist. So uh, I was active duty, went to the Air Force Academy, graduated in 2006, and then was active duty until 2019, where I uh, transitioned over to the Air Force Reserve. Nice. Where did you get the hook of aviation? What made it all kind of latch and make you want to pursue a career being a pilot? I feel like I'm not the best person to ask about this, but, um, I had a very, it was a very interesting road that I took. So, uh, I, the summer before my senior year in high school, um, my uncle who was a retired chief had passed away and we went out to his funeral. My other uncle who was a retired Lieutenant Colonel had been a, uh, a liaison officer for the Air Force Academy. So he started talking to me about going to the Academy. Um, and I, uh, essentially said, there's no way that I'm going to get in. So, uh, (laughs) I, I still applied and I got, I did not get in actually. Um, and then 10 days before basic, um, I was actually putting in my check to go to Virginia tech and I was going to do ROTC there. Um, when I was putting the check in the mail was when I got the acceptance letter to the Academy. So not thinking at all, um, I, or no chance to really think about it. I just said yes and picked up everything and changed from going to Virginia to going to Colorado. But I swore a thousand times over that I was not going to be a pilot. My freshman year, my mom said that she had a dream about me flying an airplane. And I said, just stop. I'm never going to fly. I don't want to do it. It's not, it's not in the cards for me. Um, and then I, I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. I got into biology and kind of realized that it wasn't really for me. Um, and so, but I was really into political science and law. And so I wanted to be a lawyer. Well, um, when you commission out of the academy, you can't go to law school for two years. 
So the guy that I was dating at the time uh, said, why don't you try pilot training? And if you don't like it, you can try something else. But I was perfectly pilot qualified. My eyes were great. Um, and so he said, well, you know, why don't you just try it? And then, Rain, I swear, if you ever tell, tell him that I said that he was right, I will just cease <laughs> to talk to you. But he was. So I went to pilot training and then I absolutely loved it. So sometimes you probably shouldn't knock it until you try it is kind of the motto of my life at this point. Um, so I went to pilot training and it was every step of the way was just learning something new that I loved. And I uh, got into in pilot training. I said that I wanted to fly heavies. I didn't want to fly fighters. I didn't want anything to do with it. And, uh, tone, my husband was, um, already in T-38. So going the, uh, fighter route. And he just said, don't knock it till you try it. Just don't talk to me until after you go into formation, uh, flying. So two or four airplanes together flying. And I got home from my first formation flight and he goes, so, and I said, yeah, he goes, yeah, that's what I thought. And so, and then we went from there. That's crazy. And so, yeah. I mean, purely tone, I know he, maybe he'll listen to this. Your husband <laughs> was a big catalyst in getting you to even like pursue becoming a pilot. That, and to me, it's like mind boggling, but at the Air Force Academy, not everyone becomes a pilot, Correct. Correct. Yeah, we actually, my year, we actually turned back pilot slots and gave them to ROTC because we didn't have enough people that wanted them. I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, they're filling most, if not all, of their pilot slots, but that's the way it was my year. Was you just kind of had the choice. Isn't that crazy? I mean, to me, that's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Times are changing. Yeah, it's though. nuts. From the air yeah, well, we always say that it's always, it's difficult at every step, it's just at a different step. So if you go Air National Guard, it's really, really tough to get commissioned. But then once you're commissioned and into pilot training, you know what airplane you're going to fly. And that kind of, that side is easy. And then ROTC, you go to college and whichever college you want to go to, but it's really, really hard to get a pilot slot. And then the academy is difficult to get into, but then it's fairly easy to get a pilot slot or easier relative to, um, you know, guard and uh, ROTC. So if you'd gone to Virginia Tech, do you think you have done ROTC or was just the Air Force Academy? No kidding. Like it happened. And so that was the path that you were going to take. I did have an ROTC scholarship at Virginia Tech. So I would have done it, but I had guaranteed transfer. I was going to go to Cornell my sophomore year. And I, I, I think I would have still done it mostly, honestly, because Cornell is just really difficult to afford. Um, so I, I think that I would have done it to help pay the bills, but I don't think I, I really don't know if I would have gone into pilot training or, you know, maybe it was just destined to be, and I would have still gone this route. I hope I wish, you know, that that would have been the case, but I, I highly doubt it. If I just hadn't had these like very small catalysts one after another, that kind of built up to me being where I'm at. No, very cool. So transitioning out of the Air Force Academy, getting your commission and going to pilot training, what was that like for you? Um, it was it was kind of a whirlwind. I graduated from pilot training. I got married. I went to Air and Space Basic course at Maxwell. So the new lieutenant, how to be an officer kind of course for a month-ish, five weeks in Alabama. And then got to Columbus uh, in Mississippi. I was there for a year before I started pilot training, I had a little bit of an intro because Paul, my, who, who was obviously my fiance before I graduated. And then we got married 
uh, legally in 2006 um, and had a big wedding in 2007. But uh, he he w- started pilot training while I was still at the Air Force Academy. So I got to see a little bit, a little sneak peek into what it was like. Um, but that first year, I was what's called a casual lieutenant. So you're just kind of waiting on your pilot slot or your pilot training start date. And so I worked in public affairs and then I worked in our operations group for a little bit. And that was, it was interesting just having kind of a day job, if you will. Um, but it was nice to be on a pilot training base and be able to kind of see the ins and outs of it before I started and make some kind of make some connections on the base and know people. So that was a nice thing to be able to do. But I feel like I was kind of chomping at the bit once my my start date was June of 2007 and I was more than ready. I just couldn't wait. But it's one of those, I thought pilot training, even starting it was just the, you don't know what you don't know. Everybody asks you if you have any questions and you think, yeah, I've got about a million, but I don't know what they are yet. So but it was kind of a, a little bit of, I got eased into it a little bit just because of tone and because of being on the base for a year, but I still feel like it was a fire hose getting into pilot training. What was your experience going through pilot training? Was it, was it the fire hose or was it pretty easy for you? Oh, it was not easy for me. Um, I did fairly well academically, but flying is just because it wasn't something that I had thought that I would do. It was, um, just learning the left hand, right hand, how to fly an airplane was difficult for me. I thought, uh, I mean, I did, I did fairly well in training and I was very lucky to have someone like tone and then our friends that had gone through pilot training to be able to ask questions to. And I think that helped a lot. I think the people who were the most willing to stop and ask for help when they were struggling were the ones that did the best. It was the people who, in my opinion, and watching later on as an instructor, it was the people who thought maybe it made them look weak or I don't know exactly what they were thinking, but they didn't ask for help when they were struggling. That were the ones that really had a hard time. I would say every step of the way, it's been kind of like a fire hose to learn, but it's nothing that's been impossible. It's just being able to kind of break it up a little bit and then ask questions often and bug everybody until they can't stand it. Uh, Just trying to figure out, you know, which way is up kind of thing. Yeah, definitely a team effort. You and I are both first assignment instructor pilots. And I think I can relate to that fact that it is the cooperate to graduate and, Absolutely. you know, work together. That's the whole concept of flying in, in general, especially flying fighters is teamwork. Did you want to become a FAPE? Was that your, was that your goal initially? I, um, it so Paul had become, Tone, my husband had become a FAPE to, for us to be able to stay together. So I had on my dream sheet, I had F-22s first because if I could get a shot at them, I would have taken them. And then I had FAPE second. So, uh, it was, it was very, very high on my list. And that was our talks about it within our family were twofold. One to keep us together a little bit longer, especially in the beginning of our marriage. That's kind of what we wanted to prioritize just for us. And then secondly, because I didn't have a flying background, it was just something that we thought would be really, really good for me to get that more time and teaching someone you learn, you don't just learn the rote memorization of an airplane. You learn 
the actual whys of why does this, you know, why do we have to be at this altitude at this point? Why do we have to, you know, do X before we do Y? Um, instead of just knowing that you do those steps, you, I started to learn the absolutes, the, how to build it almost in a way, you know, instead of just knowing that you, your end result, you know, steps one through five to be able to get to that end result. So it was something that I really I'm very, very thankful that I did because it gave me the time and the experience in an airplane that I think helped me a lot further on in my career. Yeah. So the next step after being a FAPE was going to fly an F-16. What was that transition like for you? It was, it was difficult to go from being an instructor to being a student again. I think it was that mind shift chain or that, that, that shift in mindset was a little bit, uh, difficult for me. And then it also, it was the same thing as pilot training that the people who asked questions and were there for, you know, to stay after and to figure out the whys of the F-16, I struggled a little bit being a student again and asking these kids that were, I mean, some of them were my students in pilot training and then are now my classmates that I'm trying to ask questions of. And so it took me a little bit to kind of get my ego in check to realize that, you know, we're all after the same objective again, and it was going through F-16. So I think that that was the biggest transition for me or the most difficult transition was just getting back into the mindset of being a student. Um, and again, it was just like pilot training. It was a fire hose, but then if you broke it up into the small segments and asked a lot of questions, I felt like it was okay, but, or it was manageable, but, um, that was definitely difficult to get in that mindset again, the student mindset again. Yeah. Unique going from being the instructor to being the student or having like your students who are now instructors. And that's just the nature of being, being a fake, but I think there's a lot of benefits to it. You do get a lot of, a lot of flying time albeit in a slower airplane, but you do get a lot of airmanship as people are trying to kill you every single day. 100%. Yep. Lots of, lots of trying to <laughs> aim for death. I think for me, like I remember like I had a Nigerian student who I don't think had ever even ridden a bicycle in his life. And yeah. Barely, barely spoke English. And I remember taking him up on his dollar ride. So his first ride for those who don't know. And that, I don't think I have ever worked as hard is that one and a half hours in my entire life? And that's sort of just trying to live and like, <laughs> yep. is this guy going to pull the ejection handle? And I'm going to write like, you just never know what you're going to get. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't, I feel like a lot of times, I mean, you just don't know what you don't know. So I am sure that I tried to kill multiple instructors that I had, no but doubt. I had no idea. No doubt. What, no you doubt. know, that I was like, just flirting with death. And I feel like that that was the same thing with my students. I was like, do you realize what you just did? How dangerous that was? They're like, what? I didn't even, mm-mm, nope. Oh, strange. So, kind of yeah, that's, that, that's fair. I mean, that's what you're getting paid to do is to make sure that you live and the student lives. And hopefully, you know, the end of six months, they can fly an airplane. Yeah. And you know what? It works. So. <laughs> Proven. <laughs> What's it, proven facts. What's interesting, I think, is how fast pilot training is changing right now. Like, I can't even keep up with it. My neighbor down the street oh, yeah, is a yeah. T1 instructor, and he's, you know, you have the UPT 2.5, which I know there are a couple uh, lieutenants who work inside of our detachment that are going to, 
Uh, there's, oh, cool. there's straight to the T1 pipeline. So it's crazy to see how fast things are changing right now as they try to figure yeah, out absolutely. how to produce more pilots. Yeah, it's nuts. It, I mean, I think it's good. I think innovation is great. I just think we are very set in our ways. So it's a, it's interesting to see the transition and people slowly, but surely starting to buy in. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I definitely think we can leverage technology and innovation to make things more efficient. We've been doing pilot training the same way for 50 years, so it does work. So there are definitely some efficiencies that we probably can squeeze out of it. Um, But it'll be interesting to see what pilot training looks like in five years from now, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Your F-16 time. Hmm. Any any highlights, any lowlights flying the F-16? Would you recommend flying the F-16 to people? What are your thoughts on it? Okay. <laughs> One, uh, absolutely would recommend, highly recommend five stars. Yep. Uh, loved the F-16, miss it a ton. Um, only left it because it was what was best for my family at that point to get us stationed together, but absolutely loved the F-16. Um, highlights and lowlights. So uh, let's do like a good like a good bad sandwich, right? So <laughs> highlight um employing weapons with the the gamblers downrange. So uh obviously with you the dudes and the gamblers are my best friends in the world. I know that everybody, you know, you can lose contact or talk just every once in a while, but those guys that we were downrange with, I know that if I need something, I can ask anybody. And at the drop of a hat, you guys will help me out. And so it's just that camaraderie that we built within the squadron. I think that's a testament to the leadership in the squadron and also just to the individuals that were there. But I also think that that's a virtue of the airplane, just the difficulty and how much everybody wanted to get in that airplane. And then because you wanted it so bad, you want your squadron to be the best that it can be. So then everybody is trying to help and trying to make everybody else better so that you're successful as a fighting force. And so I thought that was just absolutely amazing. And going into the reserve, I, I really enjoy being in the reserve. I love my squadron, but we are a T-38. We don't deploy together. We don't employ weapons. Um, and so it's a little bit more detached. I just feel like any one of the gamblers I could call tomorrow and I, they would answer my phone call and we'd pick up right where we left off. Whereas now in the reserve, it's just a little more fragmented in terms of the people who are full-timers, the people who live in Florida versus the people who live in Georgia. You know, it's just a little bit more difficult um, to build those bonds that we had in the gamblers. I would say low lights, obviously we've already kind of touched on it, but it's a it's an extremely dangerous business. So, uh, losing pyro when we were downrange is just something that's really difficult to grapple with. I can't believe how long ago it was now. Um, but that's, I hate to say it isn't, I hate to say the words like the price of doing business. It absolutely is not, but it's something that I think people forget. They see how great, the F-16 is or how much fun everybody looks like they're having. And, um, you forget about all the blood, sweat and tears that go into that business and how inherently dangerous it is and how 
you know, every second is being, is having to be on the top of your game so that you're not only safe for yourself, but for the person next to you. Um, and so obviously the biggest low light, um, but then going back into highlights, I would say, um, that we learned it was terrible losing pyro, but I feel like we learned a lot as a unit. Like we, we got closer to each other. We, uh, so to speak, we, um, we learned, I mean, we got more into just the basics of flying again, even though we were downrange, it was talking about the approaches and just re-caging our brains to how important the monotonous things are, just the taking off and landing portion um, when we had been focusing so much on bomb dropping and stuff while we were deployed, it, I think it was a good thing to bring us back to the basics and learning what a powerful airplane, any airplane is and how to, uh, get our brains right. But I feel like the positive out of that is how much we came together to, you know, it was no one that came down and said, you have to do this. You must learn this. It was the unit coming together and supporting each other and all learning that together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's obviously a lot to unpack there. Uh, Pyro losing him was absolutely devastating. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with, um, all the points from the highs and the lows that go along with that. Kind of to shift gears just a little bit. One thing we've alluded to somewhat in this is the fact that you are married to another air force aviator. And I think that's important. <laughs> I think that's important to highlight because you guys had a relatively challenging time staying together, both first assignment instructor pilots. That works out great. But tone was an F 22 pilot and you were an F 16 pilot. Yeah. Those planes don't exist at the same base except for a like test, right? Or weapon school. Weapon school. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you guys manage that? Um, so he was a 2005 grad from the Academy and that was 2006. So we spent that first year apart. We got engaged, um, about six months after him graduating, six to eight months after him graduating. Um, so getting together at Columbus and that was, it, it was just something that we had to sit down and kind of prioritize on our own. And we said that our priority was being together in the beginning of our marriage. And then we were going to do what we wanted with our career with relatively no regard for the other one. Um, and then there would be a time in our lives that we would have to put our careers on the back burner and prioritize family again. So it's kind of what we did. We got our first assignment together. It, it worked out with both of us being instructors. He actually left that assignment early. So instead of having what we thought would be three or four years together, we had about two and a half years together, um, which is fine. Uh, and then, like you said, he went off to the F-22. I wanted to fly the F-16. Um, as I talked about, I mean, when I graduated from pilot training, F-22 was top on my list. It turned out it was top on my list, uh, leaving my FAPE tour, but they actually, they had a problem with their oxygen system. So nobody got an F-22, um, in our year group. Uh, so I got called in by my boss and he said, you know, just, you can pick any other fighter in the inventory. I, I was very lucky and I feel like I worked pretty hard as a as a FAPE, a first time instructor to, um, to be able to have that luxury to pick what fighter I wanted. But I said, 
you can see it right there on my dream sheet. I want to go fly F-16s then. <laughs> so, um, but we, we spent six and a half years stationed apart. So a lot of, uh, Delta sky miles, uh, shameless plug fly Delta. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, it, we were living in the Southeast. So, um, we flew, I mean, we just primarily flew back and forth to one another between, uh, Mississippi and Florida and then South Carolina and Virginia and Texas. We, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of miles on actually a lot of different airlines and then a lot of hotel points, just trying to find midway to meet each other. Um, but then I got to the end of my Shaw assignment. It was actually before the end of my Shaw assignment. I got a call from him that said he had talked to our porch, which is essentially a pilot that is up in our personnel center that determines our assignments as uh, fighter pilots. And he had come out on what they call a road show. So just to give the status of the F-22 and kind of where it was going. And um, Paul stayed after and asked the porch our sp gave him our specific situation. And, um, he said, actually, I've got a T-38 opening. Um, Paul was flying the F-22 in Florida. So they said, I've got an opening in Florida if she wants it. Um, and I actually, I was really torn. He told me about it and I, I think he a little bit expected me to say, absolutely, let's do it. And I said, can I have a little bit of time um, and I actually called your wife, Anna, and I talked with her. She is actually the one, I guess I should give her credit for like having two kids now and living with my family because <laughs> she kind of talked me through it. And, um, we had some very, I had some very, very specific goals for my career that it just turned out that I had just achieved all three of them. Um, and so she said, you know, do you think that's a little bit of, uh, a sign for you that maybe this is where you're where your life is supposed to go. And so I said, oh, fine, I guess you're right. <laughs> so, um, I came down to Florida. They actually, Paul got called in just before I got, before I moved from South Carolina and he was told, Hey, um, you're on the VML, which is the vulnerable move list. You're going to go in the next, you know, you're going to get reassigned in the next, um, the next cycle. Um, and they said, it looks like you're going to Alaska and he was at the end of his commitment. And so that's kind of how we jumped into the reserve is that he said, you know, I still want to serve, but my wife just finally, after six and a half years, got an assignment to be with me. There's no way I'm going to Alaska and leaving again. So, um, so he went over to the reserve and started flying T-38s and then, uh, I got to the end of my commitment and it looked like I was going to, uh, that I was going to need to move. And although, and we just had some, we had some family dynamics going on where we uh, really wanted the reserve had taken care of us. It was a really good unit and we were very happy where we were. So I transitioned over to the reserve as well. And so that's kept us together, but that T-38 assignment, and we had both of our kids in the, while I was flying the T-38. And uh, so I say all in all, it kind of worked out. Yeah, I, think I guess. It, yeah, I think it worked. Well, my out. kids aren't being good. I'm. I would argue with that, but <laughs> most there's, days there's always trade offs and sacrifices. <laughs> and I think that's the big point. Like you guys made it work in the situation that I would probably say is the toughest. Fly two fighter pilots flying different airframes. Like we just don't have bases where those coexist. So undoubtedly, it's going to require 
career sacrifices or changes. And I think you guys expertly executed that. Thanks. All right. That's enough. Pretend. Being, that's enough being nice for me. So. Okay. Fair. Done. <laughs> no. no, it's, it's, it's fascinating and obviously a very accomplished career because we just, in the past 25 minutes have talked about, you know, you being a fighter pilot and getting to that point, but obviously it took a lot of work uh, and a lot of years to be sitting in the point you are right now. But I'll ask if you found 15 or 16 year old Tally walking around on the street, is there any advice you would give her today or recommendations to change things or put more energy here or there? What, what would you say if you saw little Tally? This is going to sound super cheesy, uh, but I really wouldn't change any of it. So I feel like mine you know, you've heard of the whole series of unfortunate events. Mine weren't unfortunate, but mine were a series of very specific events that occurred that kind of, that led me down this path. Um, I mean, sure. There are some days where I said, you know, there were, especially in the F-16, there was so much to learn and there was so much to do. And I feel like there were days that I absolutely wish I would have put in, you know, an extra hour in the vault or an extra hour in the sim. Um, but I don't think that that, I think, I think 16 year old Tally would have wholesale scoffed this old lady coming up to her telling her, Hey, when you're <laughs> in your mid twenties, you're going to really, really want to um, put in more effort. Um, but, I, <laughs> but I do, um, I, I would say I'm almost, cause I'm one of those, I feel like I'm one of those people that when someone tells me to do something, I do the exact opposite. Just be just out of spite. Huh, strange. Um, <laughs> weird. But I feel like, um, you know, I had a really strong, my, I, my mom was a single mom. I'm an only child. She was a very, very strong woman and she kind of paved the way. So I think the little lessons that she gave me throughout my life without me knowing she was very, um, very sneaky about it, got me to the point where I was, where it was, um, you know, all of a sudden it, it was never a question on if I could do it. It was just, did I want to? And so maybe that's what I would tell 16 year old Tally was that there's nothing that you can't do. It's just if you want to, because everything else, I mean, I have loved every second of everything that I've done and the people that I've met and there I've had big time ups and big time downs and I've struggled in pilot training and with my personal life uh, just to get my feet underneath me. But I feel like it all it all worked towards a common end. I love How it. How cheesy is that? Is no, that real cheesy? No, it's that's perfect. That's, that, <laughs> I think, a great way to end. And I think you you nailed it. That's all we want. That's all we can ask for in life, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> well, Major Kristen Tally Hallrath, thank you for sharing your story and your experiences. I look forward to the next time. Thanks, Rain.